indeed, whatever our circumstance, let's trust in him and he will give us contentment like a weaned child. Philippians 4, this was Paul's experience and gift from the Lord. It's promised to us as well. Philippians 4, we'll read verses 10 through the end. Hope to look at this issue of contentment in God's supply both this Sunday and next Sunday morning. 10 through 13 this Sunday and verse 19 next Sunday. God willing, page 1168 in your pew Bibles. 1166, pardon me, 1166. Philippians 4, verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with you, with me, greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Again, verses 10 through 13, especially on that phrase in verse 11, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Looking at that in the context of 10 through 13. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, how do you thank someone for a generous gift? This is Paul's problem at the end of the book of Philippians. There's been only one congregation who has stood with Paul through every trial and imprisonment and difficulty and has been willing to take the risk of supporting him no matter what. 
For a time they were prevented from helping him, but now at last they were able to send a gift through Epaphroditus to him while he's languishing in prison. And there he gets probably a large money gift. And he's thankful. But he has a difficult time expressing it and he takes 10 verses to say thank you. Verses 10 through 20. 11 verses to say thank you. Why? Hmm. Because he wants to thank them and at the same time honor the Lord. So he says, it's not like I needed your gift. I only need the Lord. He didn't want to thank them in a way that said, I depend on that gift for my happiness. He wanted to acknowledge that he depends only on the Lord for his happiness. And brothers and sisters, that is the secret of the Christian life, to live here in such a way with both plenty and in need, with much and with hunger, without depending on any earthly gift, but depending only on the Lord. And when we rest in the Lord Jesus, that's when we're going to find contentment. And that's the theme we want to look at this morning. How to find contentment. How to enjoy it. The famous Welsh preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones from the last century calls these verses about contentment the high watermark of Christian experience. He says you can read them, but you can hardly explain them because they run so deep in the Christian life. Yet with God's help, we do want to learn to be content. We do want to learn to be content. So we want to consider three things about learning to be content. The struggle with contentment. The secret of contentment and the strength for it. Paul speaks of the struggle when he says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. It's a struggle, and it has to be learned. It's just not automatic. It didn't come to him overnight, even to this great apostle. It didn't come overnight. And the Greek word for learn here can mean to gain knowledge, but it can also mean to develop a deep habit, to be trained. And that's the meaning it has here. I had to develop the deep habit of contentment as a way of life for me because I was going through such change of circumstances. Things would be good and then suddenly they would plummet and I would be in crisis and my life would be at stake. How do you go through all that and stay even? The secret of contentment. It's a struggle. And it's especially through three things that Paul learned contentment. Three things that work together. First, he learned it through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keeping his heart and his mind focused on the good news. Jesus has bought me with his blood. I am his. He is mine and through him I'm the child of God. I am rich, I am free, no matter what's happening to me, I am full. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Secondly, he learned it by the Holy Spirit. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that this message found its way to his heart and kept finding its way into his heart whenever it eluded him. Paul prays for that in Ephesians 3. Father, grant me your spirit in my inner man that Christ may dwell in my heart richly. It's through the spirit that this knowledge of the gospel of Jesus lived in him. He learned it through the gospel. He learned it by the spirit's power and he learned it in the school of experience. He says that here. He discovered it along the way of having plenty and having need. Having abundance and having want. Having prosperity and having poverty. Having good times and having hard times. He learned it. God does not give you contentment as an injection one night. He doesn't give it to you while you're sleeping or snoring in your bed or sunbathing on the beach. He gives it in the school of hardship. In the furnace of affliction. It's what he says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content. But he adds to that, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10. I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. How can you be content with that? He says, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. Then I lean on the Lord Jesus. And he magnifies his strength and my weakness. And I realize I am rich, I am full, I am free. So what is contentment? It's a deeply felt satisfaction. It means being able to face or say at all times, regardless of your situation, it is well with my soul. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Whatever my lot. That's what the hymn writer Spafford wrote. In the event of losing four daughters at sea at once. They're traveling from Chicago to France. They're on board a ship. Ship gets struck by another ship. It sinks. His wife is spared. His four daughters die. And he writes this hymn. And the name of the boat in which they were traveling was It Is Well. So the name of the tune that Philip Bliss used as a, as a buddy of Spafford to, for this hymn was It Is Well. In, in the French language, It Is Well. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, so when things are peaceful, when the river's in upheaval, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it, that's contentment, it is well. So we could define contentment this way, deep feeling of satisfaction regardless of supply or circumstance. A deep feeling of satisfaction regardless of supply or circumstance. Regardless of how much you, of how much you have or don't. Regardless of whether things are good or not. The opposite, of course, would be dissatisfaction, unhappiness, envy, covetousness, anger. You're unhappy with your life the way it is and you feel if only your circumstances change, you'll be happy. 
But that's the lie that circumstances can make you happy. They can't. That's the secret of contentment. The circumstances, your supply or circumstance can't really make you happy. They can't satisfy you. Only God can. One author wrote, we live in a world that breeds discontent. We're bombarded with the message that to be happy, we need more things, less wrinkles, better better vacations, fewer troubles. But ultimately, the problem is the sinful human heart. He writes, we're often discontented in our jobs, our marriages, our churches, our homes, and in most areas of our lives. We can easily despair that we'll never be able to attain contentment, but the Bible teaches us not only that we must be content, Hebrews 13, but that we can be content. Sometimes Christians, as Christians, we fall into the trap of thinking you can't enjoy a state of peace and happiness and satisfaction when the world that you live in is so wicked and perverse. You can't. But in fact, the saints do and have, and Paul did. What about you? Can you be single, desire to be married, and still be content? Yes. Can you be married, disappointed that your marriage isn't the bed of roses you expected, and still be content with your spouse? Yes. Can you be diagnosed with an incurable disease, not be healed, and still be content? Yes. Can you lose your spouse, sorrow deeply, and still be happy and content? Yes. Can you be a mom at home caring for young children while others prosper in their out-of-home careers and still be satisfied? Yes. Can you be in a low-paying job where you don't get a lot of recognition and still be content? Yes. Can you be abused and mistreated, arrested, and imprisoned for your faith and still sing? Yes. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. It doesn't depend on the circumstances or supply. But what lives in you or who lives in you? Jesus. Now, you got to be careful. Contentment doesn't mean passive resignation. Well, this is the way it is, and there's no sense in trying to improve by life. No, if you can get a better paying job that pleases the Lord and doesn't ruin your family, go for it. It's not wrong to be single and desire to be married. It's not wrong to look at another family and desire to become more godly like that family. There are good and holy desires. Pursue them but pursue them with contentment. Don't be driven by a complaining spirit, by bitterness and unhappiness that says, I can't be happy, I can't be fulfilled unless it's that way. Unless my life is like that. Because when you get there, you'll still be unhappy. Because again, contentment doesn't depend on circumstances. It depends on Christ. I'm a child of God. Right here and right now, I am rich, and another new house cannot add to it. 
And this old rental that I'm living in can't subtract from it either. I have an inheritance in heaven and no amount of money can add to that and no amount of poverty can take away from that. Jesus is with me, he's mine, and no amount of pain can take away from that and no amount of pleasure can add to that. The struggle. Secondly, the secret. Paul says in verse 12, I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. And in, every, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. It's not a work you can accomplish. Contentment is not a work you can accomplish. It's not a jewel that money can buy. It's a secret that must be discovered. A gift that God gives to you. It must be prayed for, sought after, received, and enjoyed, but only by faith in Jesus. And so it can be discovered only when you look in the right place for this secret. Not in your circumstance, not in your supply, but in your Savior, in your Savior. Some say the secret is found in Changing your circumstances. That's our culture's way. Not happy in your current gender identity? Change it. Don't like your current spouse? Try a new relationship. Feeling empty? Get a new pickup. Feeling like you're disadvantaged and deprived? Go find and buy a cottage. The Bible says... The secret is not found in adding to your supply or changing your circumstances. Or some have thought by subtracting from their supply. If I just take a vow of poverty and get rid of everything and become a beggar. Oh, you still carry the same old you around with you. It doesn't depend on your circumstance, what you have or don't. What you're in or not. But who lives in you? Whether Christ is in you, whether you have him. The one who died to take away your sins and give you peace with God. And who rose to give you a new life and ascended to give you a home with God in heaven. An inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade away. The one who by his spirit lives in you and protects you all the way so that you don't get lost and you'll make it to heaven. That's security, that's wealth, that's joy, that's certainty, that's happiness. And contentment is found, the secret is found in finding him for the first time. Maybe you've never committed your life to Christ and your life is just a seething cauldron of Greed and covetousness and envy and bitterness and dissatisfaction and discontent. Seek the Lord. Or maybe you find contentment is elusive. You're a believer, but contentment comes and then it goes. Refocus on Him. He is the secret to your contentment. And that's how Paul says that He has learned. 
both how to thrive, to thrive in plenty and to thrive in want. I call contentment a gateway grace. Like a gateway drug leads you to engage in deeper and more serious drug abuse. Contentment is a gateway grace that opens up a door of many blessings and opportunities for you. It's a wonderful secret to be enjoyed. Think of discontentment as a gateway sin that leads to many other sins. Discontentment leads people to stray into the arms of another man or woman outside of marriage. It leads people to seek wealth through cheating and lotteries. It leads people to bitterness and holding grudges because they're forever angry about being mistreated. It leads to suicide because my life isn't what I think it should be. It leads people to overspend because they're convinced that they need that boat or that house to have a life, a good life. It leads to gluttony because I won't be happy unless I eat that. Jason Heliopolis writes, I have yet to speak with a drunkard, gossiper, liar, or idolater, an idolater of the body or of recreation, without them alluding in some way to being discontent. They thought they deserved and needed more. They thought they had the right to sin because they were dealt a bad hand. Discontentment. But contentment serves as a gateway grace in God's kingdom. It empowers you to bloom where you're planted, to sing when you're in prison, to thrive when you struggle, to love those in the world where God has placed you, to rejoice in the midst of your trials, even as Paul says in chapter 1 to the Philippians, 1, 12 through 14, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So here he is in prison, not being treated well at all. And he writes this letter, I want you to know that my prison imprisonment is really serving for the advance of the gospel. And even more than that, he says, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, my brothers are more bold to speak the word without fear. When they see my imprisonment for the sake of the gospel, they're emboldened to risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Oh, there's so many blessings in this, he says. What a secret. Which is harder? Being content when you face plenty or when you face need? Paul says, I've learned to the secret of being content in both. Because when you face plenty, you're tempted to become worried about holding on to it and needing more to make sure that it stays. And what if it goes away? And becoming self-centered. And whew, there goes your contentment. And when you face want, what if I won't survive? What if I lose my life? This is all there is for me. Grumbling and complaining. Contentment is a secret that we need to learn when we abound and when we're abased. When we have plenty and when we have need. It's a gift of God. It's a secret that only God 
can give you, brothers and sisters. Are you content? Are you seeking contentment? Are you asking God to bring you into this spot, into this gift, into this secret, and make you, as Psalm 131 says, like a calmed and quietened child, weaned child with its mother? Well, let's see thirdly the strength of this contentment. How can you do it, Paul? How can you truly feel full and satisfied when you're hungry? When you have nothing, when you're being beaten, when you're in prison? How? You must be some superhero saint. This is not available to me. Paul is commending this as a way of life for all Christians. And he gives the key, the cure. In verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now some blow this out of context. I can do all things. Oh, you're limited only by your imaginations and your dreams. And they get into the power of positive thinking that if you don't have a big house, it's because you haven't dreamed. I can do it. I can get there. Not what it means at all. I can do all things God is calling me to do. I can face everything God is calling me to face. I can face failures in my life. I can face family struggles in my life. I can face financial worries in my life. I can face fears about my culture, my broken, dark, and messy culture. I can face all of that through Christ who gives me strength. I can face terminal illness. I can face hardships of any kind through Christ. But what is the strength that Christ gives you? One author writes, Paul's statement is an echo of an earlier statement in the book where he comments, Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For me to live is Christ. Because he knows that in Christ he possesses everything. This, this is the secret to his contentment. The Christian finds Christ to be sufficient. We are the richest and most secure people in the universe. So the storms may beat the walls of our lives, and yet contentment can lie safely within. It isn't touched because it's wrapped up in Jesus, who is our all in all. Three aspects of strength that he gives you. And let's conclude with that. What's the strength Jesus gives to those who ask him for help to be content in the various circumstances of their lives. One, he'll give you the strength to rejoice in every situation with holy boldness. He has just said to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice, and he's in prison. 
And he's saying, are you looking for joy? Rejoice in the Lord. The Lord Jesus is the key to your joy. Right now, even if you're rejoicing through tears, that's fine. Tears aren't the problem. The sorrows aren't the issue. It's whether you have a resting place in the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, he gives you strength to remember the gospel. Again, Paul's prayer in Philippians Father, I pray that you will fill me with your spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith. And then he says, so that I may know the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Give me strength to know the height and the depth of your love, Jesus, for me. And you know, really, that's the key. That's what we need to remember in all the circumstances that get us down. Refocus on the endless love of Jesus for you. Know you are loved securely and eternally by your God in Christ who will never let you go. And he will hold you in the hollow of his hand through this. And you're not losing any of your real wealth. You're not losing any of your real security. And you're not losing any of your real joy. When you're in covenant with God through Jesus Christ. So that's the next thing we need to know is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And the third thing, Christ will give us the strength to talk about him in every situation like Paul talked to all the prison guards and everybody he met about Jesus Christ. Because he was content, he could bloom where he was planted and you'll be given the strength to love the one that you're having trouble with. You'll be given strength to talk about Jesus in your trouble, like the child who says to the doctor as he's going to his operating or to his surgery, I'm not scared, Jesus is with me. What a time to testify. Contentment will give us that strength. Christ will give us that strength. Through contentment. Brothers and sisters, let's seek from the Lord this gift. It's not a change in job that we need first, not a change in relationship, not a change in wealth. Not a change in talents either. If only I had those talents, my life would be better. It's just a change in focus. Focusing on Christ. Resting in his finished work. Asking him to fill you with his spirit so that through the spirit Christ may dwell in you richly by faith. 
And you can also say, I've learned in whatever circumstance I am to be content. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the amazing blessings that you've given to us in Christ. We indeed are rich and we have everything, no matter what our circumstances. Lord, help us to remember your love for us in Jesus Christ in every situation. Help us not to lose sight of the wealth that is ours. Help us then to be satisfied at all times, to see how full we are. Keep bringing us, Holy Spirit, to the Lord Jesus Christ to rest in him. Hear us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.